For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Hey everybody, WFO, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh my gosh, it's a Tuesday already. I haven't gotten anything accomplished yet this week. It's, it seems like it has been so fast. And the answer is, do not worry. Yes, we are a little bit early here on WFO Radio and HRA Nitro, the Thunder Valley Nationals preview edition. we got the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, going to join us. And it's just one of those deals. He's going to be traveling all day tomorrow, right in the window where we would be doing the show, like right in the middle of the window. And so it was like, you want to go a day early? Let's do it a day early. People will be watching tomorrow at one regardless. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. Reinhardt just seconds away. Good to see some people checking in there, like Jay is in the house. Good job, guys. And this is why you got to have the WFO radio app because I send out push notifications and you got to follow on Twitter because you never know when we're going to flip the script and go at an unusual time. Right. Later on in the week, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Bill Skillman talking a little factory stock showdown. We're going to have Matt Hagen talking about his huge victory. He's fresh back from a vacation, going to run a special paint scheme this weekend. That's all in the future on WFO WFO ignition tonight with our co-hosts going to be on. That's all going to be great. But right now, let me tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO. Just like this, like whenever we're going to do it on Monday, boom, we're doing it. And I'm talking about Phillips Connect. Phillips-connect.com. Justin Ashley and his team doing so well. Jim Epler going to be at each race with the technology trailer, educating people in the transportation business that these sensors keep them, their drivers, their loads safer. Phillips-connect.com. Go to the website to find out more. Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. Episode up there now. Dr. Mark Malberg, totalseal.com. Can help you unlock your hidden horsepower. Go to the website. Find out more information. If you need to order one ring, you can do it. If you get a set of pistons and they came with rings already, you can send them to Total Seal and they will modify them with their latest, greatest technology. Check them out, totalseal.com. VP Racing Fuels and Lubricants and Fuel Additives on board with WFO Radio. Camry Caruso rocking those VP Lubricants and has been running so well. Proof of concept, VP Lubricants. And go to vpracingfuels.com to find out more information. And, of course, FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters. They've got their own fluid, ftiperformance.com. Check them out. Later on in the show, we'll be telling you about samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed for those of you who want to be involved in the machining business. Of course, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, the Dragster Adventure at frankhawley.com. And Marvin Rodak, I'll tell you about the rare Sumatra coffee that I'm drinking today after we talk to Reinhardt. Joining us now, the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt from a rental car somewhere in America. What's <laughs> up, AR? How are you? Oh, I was just taking a little day trip and I kind of get uh, a little bit off schedule. So I apologize for the fact that I, I didn't 
just kind of stuck. I went, oh, look what time it is. I got to do this. But uh, all is well. We had a pretty good weekend in uh, in Lebanon Valley last weekend and you know, getting ready to head for Bristol. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be back on the Father's Day weekend. I mean, it's a bummer I don't get to spend the Father's Day weekend with my pop, but he'll be watching on NHRA.tv. So we'll probably end up, you know, like being together for the most part the entire weekend. If you count that, I certainly do. Uh, it's been a while, right? It's been a minute since we've back, been on this Father's Day weekend. No race in 2020. 2021 was late in the year. Uh, you got to go back to 2019. And a little stat that I found, you got to go back to 2017 to find a year where Mike Salinas wasn't in the top fuel final. This guy has been pretty strong at Bristol. You know, it's it's interesting with him. There are certain tracks that just he seems to gravitate towards for whatever reason. And uh, was it last year? I guess it was last year that he said he was buying a house out there, right? Um, yes. He said, you know, loved the area so much and had made a lot of friends out there and, and decided that he needed to have a, a vacation home out there. So, uh, you know, good on him. He's, uh, for whatever reason, his car runs well there. He's got, you know, kind of like Matt Hagen when we go to New England. You can almost just pencil him into the final because, for whatever reason, the place likes him. And he said, he said he's buying a house in New England too. Like this guy's buying a house everywhere. And I think he could, I'm not doubting his ability to buy a house everywhere, but I was there when he said, yeah, we're looking around. We really like it here. <laughs> Talking about Tennessee. I know why 2017, he run it up to Tony Schumacher, 28, uh, sorry, 2018. He run it up to Tony Schumacher, 2019. He beat Steve 2020 was a pandemic year. And in 2021, he beat Steve in the final round. Uh, again, that is very impressive. And he comes in as the most recent race winner. This guy is on fire right now. Mike Salinas leading the series, three wins, tied with Brittany, 30 points out of the lead. A win here, like if he continues with his uh, performances, that would be a huge statement in top fuel. He's doing pretty well for a guy that most people last year said, okay, you'll never hear from him again when, uh, you know, when. The news came out that Alan Johnson was not going to return. There were a lot of people that said, well, that's it for Salinas. You know, that, that'll be the end of his deal. But, uh, you know, they kept the nucleus of the team together. They brought in Rob Flynn and and they've taken over and and good for him. You know, that it, it's fun that, you know, Mike is so dedicated to the, to the sport. He spends a lot of his own money to come out here and do it. Put together a first class operation and, you know, doubled up with his daughter. Uh, went in the division race a week ago. So there's a lot of enthusiasm there and. And, you know, he just, he, he's really an interesting guy to talk to, you know, I mean, a guy that would get into a junior car in Seattle that he did a couple of years ago and make a run in it. And it's funny, I actually had a, a junior driver flag me down, whatever it was, a couple, three races ago, and, uh, you know, wanted to get a close look at a top fuel car. And I went over to Mike and I said, hey, do you mind? And he said, what are you kidding me? Yeah, bring the kid, took the kid in, gave her a t-shirt, introduced her to the daughters, put her in the car. I mean, the guy's just, uh, you know, he's he's very enthusiastic about the sport and he's certainly good for the sport. This is what he does for his entertainment and relaxation. And all there's all mm -hmm. those stories. He was in the press conference last week. We, we had him on WFO and then he went and did the press conference. I guess that was Thursday. And right. he, you know, there was discussion about, uh, you know, a picture of him as a little kid in that situation. And it was Don Prudhomme that put him in the cockpit. And so he is doing like so many drag racers before him have done and paid it forward. He's just paying it forward. We're, uh, you know, trying to bring in that next generation of fans one at a time. Well, I think everybody that's out there that's over 30 years old remembers when they were the kid on the other side of the ropes. And, you know, I certainly do. And if, uh, you know, if there's a young fan or somebody that, that, I can help do something or I can introduce to somebody or then I'm 
I'm always willing to try to do it if I can, because again, I, I remember being a kid on the other side of the ropes and, you know, so many of the junior racers now have gone on to be in the big cars, whether they're in the pro ranks or whether, they're, you know, like Luke Bagaki, Justin Lamb, or the, you know, Joe Santangelo, those million guys. And they're the same way. You know, if a kid comes over and he's like, you know, excuse me, then they're going to take some extra time. They're going to go out of their way because it wasn't that long ago. They were that kid. Yeah, those kids out there, you guys all need to know. Like, if we got any kids watching, hopefully your parents have approved you're watching. That's number one. But number two, use your kiddom, man. Use it like adults <laughs> like kids. There's a time, I don't know exactly when it happens, where you become less cute and it doesn't work <laughs> as well. So use it while you got it, right? When you're like 9, 10, 11, you can pretty much ask for just about anything and you're probably going to get a good, a good hunk of it. 14 13 like uh you know it starts to slide away and then when you're 24 it's gone it's gone kids so just there's a little <laughs> bit of advice from your uncle joe hey what happened out there at lebanon valley this weekend i enjoyed the stream on youtube a little bit this weekend um how was the race good weather was good and uh you know they had some great racing that jackie frick won again um bill phil burkhart won the alcohol funny car matchup we only had a couple alcohol funny cars there's uh you know, for whatever reason, I think part of it is we've gotten into the division one season at such a hurry. You know, there's been three races in the last four weeks on the division side or on the region side, plus the Epping Nationals. And I think, you know, some of the racers maybe just can't take that much time off work in a row or can't. So the car count was down a little bit. But, uh, you know, the racetrack is, is a fun place. They've got a circle track that is literally on the same piece of property. So Saturday night, we have to be done early enough that they run the circle race over there and they do a special deal for any of the racers that are there that want to go over and watch the dirt track cars run. But uh, Wayne and the staff that are there, put it, you know, do everything they can to make it a fun show. And I think, uh, I think most people had a good time. Looked like a great track. Wow. Jay Blake in the return. I think he's two for two now on the divisional side. Way to go with the follow a dream team. Well, they're running solid. You know, uh, DJ Cox won at Cecil County and then DJ won again uh, up in Maple Grove. They didn't come here. You know, DJ crashed here a couple of years ago, and I think this is one that he just decided, okay, Lebanon Valley doesn't like me, so we're we're going to stay away from there. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, there's, there's not a million cars that are out here competing for the eastern region, but the ones that are here are good. And so, you know, they're just going to keep battling it out amongst themselves. Well, exactly. Exactly. I'm just happy Jay is back at all. Uh, down there in Division Four, I see that, uh, you know, Don Thomas got a win in comp and Jim uh, Caro, uh, Will Billy Carroll with a heads up final round, got the job done. Austin Williams, uh, you know, usual suspects down there for right. those part. And uh, comp, Pete Hanratty for you guys. That's his first win. I didn't know that. No, it's not his first win. For, I thought you said for that uh, Pete Hanratty got his, uh, we had a conversation the other day. Did I misunderstand? Uh, I guess no, I he was he misunderstood. He, he won. Yeah, I mean, you can set your watch by him. He won just, uh, what was it? This, this was his second win. He won one 30 years ago. Oh, okay. So you're fun. And <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I felt like I remember what Reinhardt said. 30 years. My goodness. That's a long time. Yeah, and he, you know, hasn't been racing, you know, constantly nonstop the whole time, but he's been kind of dabbling here and there. And, you know, he's got two really cool cars, uh, one that he drives, one that his kid drives, but K-Altered and then the K-Altered Automatic. They're both, uh, in essence, billet four-cylinders. 
that were made from scratch and, and little bitty flyweight alters. And he has spent a lot of time working on the engines, working on the combination, doing the stuff. So uh, it was pretty cool to see him get the win. But you end up, I mean, in the final round, he's running Frank Aragona, right? Not exactly a duck. Um, he ran Michelle Costa along the way, which we won the last race that we had out here on the region. And, you know, same thing. There wasn't a hundred comp cars here, but the ones that were here were all pretty darn good. So it uh, was, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch the event. Excellent. Excellent. Great divisional racing in the NHRA. Something to watch uh, over the course of the weekend. And uh, I like it. You can flip on the YouTube, even on my smart TV, hit the YouTube. One of the things that comes up, NHRA Division One racing. Uh, really great stuff. And uh, I appreciate it. All right. Let's get back into Thunder Valley Nationals now. It's Father's Day weekend. And uh, this back to back leads us to the Western swing. I like to break the season up into like, you know, digestible segments, right? Like, okay, the beginning, how did that go? And that was a little uh, fragmented, right? We had a couple of races, a big break, internationals, a large break, another break. There's lots of breaks, not a lot of breaks right now. We've got these two races and then out onto the Western swing. And after the Western swing, you know, a couple races and then the U.S. Nationals and then the countdown. Right. So this segment, I think, is going to tell us a lot. Is it going to be the Brittany for Salinas Torrance show? Uh, you know, is Justin Ashley going to continue his improvement in performance? He did make the final round in New England one, uh, you know, a couple of hundredths of a second different. And, uh, you know, that race could be uh, we could be talking a different story right now with Justin with a win. But. The players that are on the outside, right, like the the Tony Schumachers and the and the Leas and the people who we know they have performance, but they have yet to score a win. Man, the desperation, the desperation to show what you're capable of. These next two races, I think, are going to be. Well, I think so, too. And you look at, you know, even Antron is, is not having the season that he wants. Uh, you know, the Coletta cars are starting to show a little bit of signs of life, but they uh, they haven't flexed all of their muscle yet. You know, if, if I'm Brittany and if I'm Mike or and if I'm I'm trying to pile on points as I can, I mean, I realize the countdown is going to reset everything, but you know that the rest of them are coming. So at this point, you might as well enjoy the moment because it's about to get a little bit, a little bit more difficult as we go through the season. I'm, you know, I'm really surprised everyone you mentioned, you know, Tony Schumacher, I really thought would have won a race by now. I mean, you look at, you know, when he was coming in dabbling on a part-time basis, he'd won one. And, you know, Antron's team just still hasn't found whatever that magic click is. Um, exactly the same thing for Leah. You know, they've had good car at times, great car in qualifying at times, and they either end up in the wrong place at the wrong time or they end up stubbing their toe a little bit somewhere on Sunday morning. And, you know, they need to figure out a way to fight through that. But there's a lot of really good cars out there that haven't shown their medal yet. Yes. And it was interesting watching NASCAR yesterday from Sonoma. No one will be going there not long from now. And uh, with Tony on the broadcast, that's kind of a new element, right? Because, I don't know, it's a little weird because now we know Tony pretty well, right? He's, he's out there. He's one of the guys hanging out. And also, he got a job doing color commentary for NASCAR. And I think he does a great job with um, – I'll give you an example, right? There's like three laps to go. Oh, I don't know where this is coming from. Oh, that's NHRA.com is where that's coming from, an advertisement. <laughs> pops up without my permission that's okay nhra.com but a uh, couple laps to go and daniel suarez is leading and mike joy is like oh man a couple of uh you know qualifying style laps and he's gonna have the win and tony's like well not really chris busher yeah. needs the qualifying laps daniel suarez needs smooth consistent laps to bring it home busher needs and like to me that is what 
that's what everybody wants, right? It's in the moment, like what exactly is happening? And I think of stuff like that. And I try to, uh, I want to try to bring that out uh, myself. Like, all right, that's exactly what is going on with the driver in the moment and the team as well. Not every situation is, is what it uh, appears to the layman. Well, that's, you know, that's what a color commentator is supposed to do. That's what an analyst is supposed to do is tell you, you know, take you inside watching, you know, when, when Romo started doing the stuff um, for the NFL, it was yeah. fascinating when, you know, they'd come up to the line and you go, okay, well, this is a run play. Cause look, this guy's half an inch off the ball and this guy moved to the left. And this is, and, you know, knowing because he was so fresh into or fresh out of that, that he still knew all of the nuances, all the stuff that was happening out there. And even though Tony hadn't driven a stock car in a few years, he'd been still out there driving and he understands the nuances of, you know, Hey, if you're out there with a three second lead, this is your mindset. If you're the guy that's three seconds back, this is your mindset. If you're the guy that's in eighth and you're just going to go the hell with it and throw caution, this is your mindset because he's been all of those guys and he's had success doing all of those things. So um, it's, you know, I'm, it, I think he does a great job with that stuff as well. And I've teased him over the years. The first time that he did one of those, I went up leading down in Daytona. I sent him a text message after it was over with. And I said, look, I said, I'll make you a deal. You stay the hell off a of TV and I won't buy a NASCAR cup team. And <laughs> You know, he, he fired back. He said, well, what, what's it pay to be an NHRA announcer? And I said, not enough. What's it pay to be a cup owner? And he said, not enough. So I thought we had had an understanding that he was not going to be like, you know, playing in my pond and I'd stay out of his as well. But I guess as long as he stays on the NASCAR side of the fence, I'm okay with it. Yeah, he I also, it you know, last weekend had a big weekend out at Eldora. They had the million dollar race and then they had the dream. And so he has been a busy, busy guy. Yeah moving out now leah was out there at the race and so was uh so was mike mike salinas was out there at the race so it's great i like always love to see drag racers take the opportunity to gain some free coverage right like you go to where other racers are and be you somebody is going to grab and put a mic in your face and a camera in your face and give you the opportunity to talk about nhra drag racing coming there in uh in a few weeks from now won't be that long so good job by those guys and gal uh promoting the sport it's a 30 point lead over mike 99 over steve 107 over justin 243 over austin proc uh clay Milliken got his first career win here over leah that was huge like one of the best races i've ever been to josh hart doug coletta sean lang and tony schumacher then on the outside antron leah Doug Foley, let's remember the rule where if you show up and what is it? You uh, make uh, two qualifying sessions. You're more than more than 50 percent is the way the rule is written. More than 50 percent of the qualifying sessions. So in this case, if we have two, uh, if we have three sessions, if you make two, you're good. Uh, you will be included in the countdown reset, but you'll just be further back. Um, and that's true for pro stock also, correct? Yes, it's true for all. But, you know, I I am a big believer that if by the time we get to Indy, if you're in 13th or 14th place, okay, you can you can be part of the countdown and, and you know, pretend it's important. But if you haven't figured it out by then, you're not going to jump, you know, you're not going to come to life the last six races and make a run at the championship. I just I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, does it does it make you feel better to go, okay, hey, I'm still one of the championship contenders? Maybe, but I honestly think that, you know, the real hardcore racers understand it don't matter at that, you know, it, Hey, I finished 11th instead of 12th doesn't really make any difference. You know, you look at, 
you know, guys like Matt Hagan, if he's not the champion, he ain't, he ain't wearing number two, number three, number four on the side of his car. You know, and that's the old Don Perdome theory, that if you didn't win a championship, it didn't matter where you finished. And I think most of the hardcore racers really feel that way. If you've never finished in the top 10 and that's a goal, then that's one thing. But for the racers that are out there year in and year out and chasing this thing, um, you know, I honestly don't, I don't see anybody that ends up 12th, 13th, 14th at the end after Andy's over and we reset everything all of a sudden coming to life and finishing first, second or third. I just don't see it. No, I agree. I agree with you on that. Um, you know, the, the, the debate about well, a big sponsored car that shows up to every race, should they get to say that they're in the playoff system? You know what? I don't know. I don't think I want to go there, especially not right now and today, because there's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of there, there. Like, what are you going to say in the end though? But for pro stock, I find it to be interesting. I agree with you. You're not going to win the championship, but someone who is 12th could go on a run and end up in the top five. And that would be an interesting uh, scenario. Uh, you know, I, I possible. Yes. Um, legitimately doable. I'm just not seeing it. I mean, you look at the cars that are out there and you know, the power level is fairly equal. Now you, you know, everybody has, everybody has access to good power. And if you haven't got your combination down, I just don't see you going on a run in the last five or six races and, and, you know, becoming a, a serious challenger. If somebody does it, then I'll be the first to congratulate them, but I just don't see it. If you haven't figured it out by that point, I just don't see how you're going to magically, decide that okay oh gee we've been putting the clutch backwards all year all we got to do now is this and look we're going to be contenders um it just doesn't usually work that way no i i agree well we'll we'll see as it all plays out and it gives uh people an opportunity to do something spectacular even if it is on, on the outside of the actual championship hunt uh let's talk funny car a little bit you know it's been hagen it's been uh it's been hagen it's been robert height but at this particular track, uh, Bob Tasca, Ron Caps, a couple of others have been in the mix. Tasca's got a couple of final rounds. Caps has got a couple of wins here, albeit with a different crew chief. Uh, I'll be interested to see if either of those two teams, like Caps has already had a victory this year, but can't let those two front runners get too far away. That's, uh, that's a part of this too. So I'll be interested to see if they are able to uh, close the deal. Well, I think those two cars are pretty good. Um, you know, Cruz Pedregon, I think, is is waiting to bust out. I think that that's a car that hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't shown their full potential yet. Um, Tim Wilkerson, how many times have we seen Tim just all of a sudden, you know, string two or three or four really good races in a row together? Uh, you know, he's another one that's capable. The Coletta cars, I'm, or the Toyotas, I should say, I'm talking about Alexis and JR, uh, both of them, I think, would tell you, that they should have been performing better. They've got enough runs now with that with that GR Super body to to feel comfortable. They should anyway. And uh, you know those are those are a couple of teams that I think are looking to bust out. I I'm I can promise you between Ron and Jr. and Alexis, all three of those want to be the first person to park a Toyota Gazoo Super in the winter circle because. You know, you only get to be first once and Toyota made a big financial commitment, a big commitment with engineering time and hours to get that thing put together, get it approved and get it on the racetrack. And whoever is able to give Toyota the first trophy, that's going to be a big deal. Completely, completely agree the, the race within a race, there's always a race within a race. And uh, that one is ongoing as we speak. And last year it was Alexis and Jr. in the final round and that was under the old body, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
and Alexis got the win and she had a great reaction time. And, you know, JR was having a great day at the racetrack. This is going to be very different for experience, though, or not because uh, this one is so much different. This one is the same as all the previous. That one was different because it was so much later in the year. But I also understand that they have made some changes to the track. They have ground the track and done some things to make it a little more friendly uh, for the tuners and the pro stock motorcycle racers. You remember Angel was uh, frankly said that she was afraid to get on the bike, had never been feeling that way in her career, wanted to lose. So she didn't have to go back out there and she ends up winning the race. How crazy is that? But they did make some changes that is going to change the character of the track. They did. And, you know, Bristol has the two pedestrian tunnels for the spectators that go under the track. And over time, those pedestrian tunnels, the fact that, you know, they expand and they shrink and it, and it ends up turning into bumps on a racetrack. And there was there were some pretty severe ones, especially on the motorcycles. You know, you watch a slow-mo on the motorcycles when they'd come across it and, you know, the front end would just come up out there at 400 feet and carriers, it would go up over the, over the tunnels. Uh, Kurt Johnson went down there and did some pretty heavy grinding. Now, as I understand it, that was a kind of a preliminary thing. They didn't have time to do the entire track, but they went in there and basically smoothed out the biggest of the bumps. So it's going to be better, but they also have a long-term plan to go in there and do a hundred percent fix on it. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, I know that it, it always is easier on the tuners, no matter what category you're in, not to have to worry about, do we need to pull power? Do you need it? Do we need to make an adjustment so we don't lose traction going over this bump or going through this dip and the smoother the racetrack is, the easier it is on the tuners. And that makes for better side-by-side -side racing for the fans. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they should, the Speedway Motorsports people have been so good about investing in their facilities over the years. And uh, even when Bruton bought this place, the fact that they like you know, they, they either lowered the track or they raised the track 13 feet. They made complete changes to make it the facility that we see and know it uh, as it is now. Uh, I have no doubt that they'll invest in the facility when the time is right. And I guess they already have, but it's a premier facility. People want to go there. You want to be there. It's as nice as Z-Max. It's as nice as uh, any of the other Speedway Motorsports tracks as far as the tower goes. There's nothing better when it comes to like where to watch a race, the Thunder Valley acoustics uh, and people are like, you know, should I go? Should I go? This is definitely a bucket list track. Got to see Thunder Valley if you're going to be a real fan. True. And, you know, even better than Z-Max in a couple of ways in that from a fan perspective, you're closer to the racetrack. The stands on the left side are fairly close uh, to the racetrack. And so, you know, being 30 feet from the cars or 50 feet from the cars really does make a difference from a fan standpoint. And the Thunder Valley Club, which is the top eliminator club there, parks you right on the starting line. And that's also a great seat. And, you know, if you if you you know, it's it's extra expense, obviously, to buy the VIP experience, basically. But they have driver meet and greets that come into the to the Thunder Valley Club. Um, you know, they have obviously food and drink and all that kind of stuff. I think it is one of the better uh, in motorsports, I believe it's one of the better fan experiences if it's within your budget uh, to you know spend a couple extra bucks and do it first class. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of those as well. You get out of the sun, you get in there, you get, uh, you know, you get to meet people and hang out. Uh, it's really neat. And it's right by the pits too, right at the entrance to the pit. So it's super mm -hmm. convenient. Their Thunder Valley Club. Someone mentioning, you know, Z-Max and tunnels. Z-Max has got tunnels in the same spot. And you never hear complaints about Z-Max being rough. Well, you know, Z-Max was also built a lot more recently. There are things that have been learned over the years about how to avoid the settling 
of tunnels and such. Uh, all construction, right? They learn stuff. Amazing that they actually learn and apply information from the past to make things better. Exactly. You know, Vegas at one point was a bit of an issue. And when they went in and redid the track, they re-engineered everything to avoid that going forward. And, and you know, you learn as you go. There's, there's so many things that I don't know how much the average fan knows, but there is a legitimate specific recipe for drag strip concrete. It's not the same stuff that you'd put on a bridge and an overpass. It's not the same stuff that you'd put in your driveway or that you, there is a legitimate recipe specifically for drag race tracks for concrete. Now, whatever the contractor is going to be that does it, it's like, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to make the cake. And it's been learned over the years. You know, how many times over the years you go to track and at four or five or six years old, you know, you start pulling the dimes up, you start seeing the concrete kind of deteriorating a little bit because what we do to it isn't the same as what you do in a driveway or what you do on a highway. And so over the years, they figured that out. It's exactly the same thing with, with the tunnels and with the surfaces and with everything else. Over the years, they have found a way to minimize the imperfections that are gonna, that are gonna pop up. And you know, everything, you know, everything in life is technology moving forward. Everything. <laughs> everything is technology moving forward, whether we like it. I got it. a new one of those too this week. No way. He found the trains. He got a new phone. Nobody believes in Alan. Come on. Well, I haven't figured out how to, I'm doing this on like the microphone or speakerphone because for whatever reason, my earbuds that work so well with the old phone, they'll work on a phone call, but they didn't, uh, they didn't hook up to this. So I guess I got to figure out a way to turn that on. But yeah, you probably have to go in your settings and enable like what's allowed to pick up your Bluetooth. Uh, I want to talk about Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson has not run bad. Wilkerson isn't having like a bad year. Like what's up with Wilkerson? I was having a conversation with someone on the starting line. I won't say who, because I can't remember, but the conversation was about Wilkerson. It was like, man, this guy, you know, he's running good. Just running into the wrong folks. Good first round runs and just getting beaten. And that's part of drag racing. It's like what we talk about all the time. You're on the wrong end of those thousandth of a second win margin races for reasons that only the racing gods know. But right now, Wilkerson is uh, is experiencing that. Chad Green, on the other hand, has come out on the decent end and has actually been pretty good. But I'm waiting for the day the racing gods say, Tim, today's your day. And it's going to happen. I mean, you know, he, Tim's been through this long enough and he certainly understands that. The telling factor might actually be Friday night. You know, if if they came out and I'm you know, certainly not telling Tim how to run his race stream, he's done it very successfully at a very high level a long time. But I'm thinking if I come out Friday night, maybe a little more aggressive, maybe try to end up in that, you know, top four or five qualifying spots on Friday night so that you don't have one of those first round draws. that just makes you shake your head. Um, you know, maybe I don't know. But, uh, you know, Tim has always gone out and been on the conservative side of things. And he's had a tremendous amount of success doing it, but maybe time to try something a little bit different on Friday night qualifying. If it was me, I would, but then I'm aggressive and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm spending his money. So, you know, let's go after it. Let's see what happens. Right. Exactly. Derek says, so you got an iPhone. He did not get an iPhone folks. He's no, iPhone guy. no, just, no. Yeah. He's going to start speaking to us in Spanish. It's not going to happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. Reinhardt's not getting an iPhone. He's a droid guy. He loves droid. And Something about the wiring of the brain uh, with the droid and the Android and uh, Apple. Like some people just go one way. Other people go the other way. They work. They both do the same things. We don't know why. It just is what it is. Well, the little story about the old dog, new tricks, and I don't want to learn a new trick. I've been yeah. like an Android guy and a, and a PC guy 
And for everybody that always said, you know, get an Apple, get an iPhone, get it. No, I don't want to learn it all over again. I didn't want to learn it the first time. And now that I've got it, you know, sort of working, I'm not going to start over again. Having pro stock, pro stock motorcycle, top fuel and funny car all back at Bristol. It's going to be unusual. It's been a long time since that was the case. This is going to be a big race, I think. Pro stock bike. Let's reset where we are with that. Uh, in that, you know, Steve Johnson, Matt Smith, Karen Stouffer, Angel's a defending race winner. There's a lot going on with the pro stock motorcycle category. Are we going to get more of the same as in Steve Johnson, Matt Smith, and uh, others coming up? Uh, or could we get a shakeup? Like I- I'm expecting, well, you know, when is Eddie Krawick going to go out there and get a win? When are we going to talk to Eddie on this show? going to happen just a matter of when they're wondering that also and uh, ellie tonglet is going to be riding the kelly klontz machine this week that's been announced kelly is uh dealing with some other issues and wanted to have the bike out there for sponsors so uh ellie's going to come in and ride that and that you know that could be a surprise that bike's been running fairly well and if if you're ellie you come in with a you know short timers attitude, so to speak, right? Why not go up there and see if you can hit the tree at double O two every time? And you know maybe you get away with it. Maybe you maybe you make some noise. Maybe you go out there and hurt some feelings. I'm sure that uh, he would like nothing better. Um, but that's a that's a motorcycle that's you know also been coming along. And yeah, the Vance and Hines team being so quiet so far. You know they made the switch to Suzuki. Yes, they made it, but I don't think anybody expected them to be quiet this long. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Snake going to be inducted into the Legends of Thunder Valley. That's cool. That means Snake's going to be on the property. And uh, I'm excited about that. The race going to be on Big Fox. I've already put out the beacon to my South Florida community that if you're going to be planning on watching on WSVN 7 Fox here in South Florida, you need to call the station. It's 50-50. If they've got an infomercial that's going to pay them, they're going to run that infomercial instead of the drag racing. But if the race fans get on there and just make a couple of calls and some noise on their Facebook page, WSVN 7 Fox Miami, uh, you you can do a better job of ensuring the race be on local television down here. Big market. My dad's going to be watching on NHRA.TV, so ultimately it doesn't matter. But uh, I love the idea that the race is on locally. And so Big Fox, those are always big opportunities. Well, they are, you know, anytime that, you know, a, a techno nerd like me or a, a, a techno, what would, what would I be? A techno, um, phobic, uh, technophobic, you're yeah, dino- techno dinosaur like me techno- yeah. can watch, can watch the race. That's good. Um, you know, they're, you know, not everybody has whatever in their cable package or whatever, this, whatever that, but you know, when, when everybody that's got a TV can tune in and, and and turn you on then then that's a good thing so you know i you know they we always get decent numbers on those races good numbers on those races simply because there's more reach and uh, and i think it's a big deal to be on to be on the regular network absolutely and i this past weekend i watched formula one i watched indycar i watched nascar i watched everything i watched divisional racing our product is our our major league product the camping world series is so good um we just got to keep working on trying to Bring it to folks out there. Mark wants to know. I'm one, he's wondering, Mark, what are you wondering about, man? If there's any parts shortages among the pro teams. I mean, I guess that's worth thinking about, obviously. But, um, you know, it's definitely a negative thought. What about it, though, Alan? Any parts shortages on the pro teams? Not as of yet. Um, you know, there there's some stuff, you know, in the pipeline. Most of the most of the big manufacturers are talking to, you know, DSR and, and Allen and uh, I believe the Colettos and, and 
and uh, JFR and those guys a couple of years ago when they saw some of this, you know, like, hmm, um, you know, if you have the means to go out and buy some raw material, that's exactly what they did. So, you know, having the billets and having the stuff ready to make the heads and make the blocks, uh, there is a little bit longer lead time on some of the stuff that's out there right now. But I haven't heard anybody, uh, I haven't heard anybody yet say that they're panicked about, you know, we can't get um, this XYZ part. Technosaur is what Michael says you should be called. Technosaur, there you go. That's- I like it. That's a good one, Mike. Virtual producer out there, Technosaur. Uh, you know, as far as that stuff goes, I hear and talking with people that a lot of steel and aluminum and uh, titanium comes out of both Russia and the Ukraine, right? Like that's a, that's a source location for a lot of the stuff. And coincidentally, that stuff is used in drag racing. So this, uh, this uh, war over there, which doesn't really have any sign of ending anytime soon uh, is, is a very great challenge to, uh, you know, racing and all the parts and pieces we need. I am hoping that this is kind of a wake-up call to everyone that says, you know, uh, it's okay to have some sources overseas for everything, but it's also very important to have domestic sources for said same things um, and things that are even more important. Like these are national security products. I'm sure they use titanium and weapons too. Um, I'm hoping that people will learn that lesson for the future. Well, I know that, you know, the raw materials are, are a little bit bigger issue, I think. But, you know, like the block forgings and that kind of stuff, I think it's pretty much all done here. Um, most of the teams, I think, you know, Alcoa is a big source of aluminum. And it's really more them getting the raw material than our guys, um, you know, needing needing closer to home sources from what I'm understanding. But, again, I'm also uh, – I am under the impression that the – vast majority of the big players that make the parts and do the stuff, um, you know, saw a couple of years ago the potential when we went into, you know, the COVID shutdown and the other stuff to do a little hoarding and uh, and stock up. So as of right now, uh, most of the stuff that I'm hearing is that there isn't anything that's in panic mode at this point. That's great news. Hear that, folks? That's great news. And I haven't heard any racers say that either. I mean, I they're in step with what Alan is saying. They've been asked in the media center. A lot of the media center folks are, you know, thinking of, of those stories like, oh, you know, NHRA and crisis teams in crisis. Do they have what they need? Do they? Yes, we have what we need. Yeah. But do you have it? Yes, we do have it. We have what you We have what we need. At least at very least to get us to the end of this season. Like, like but are you sure you have what you need? Yes, we have what we need. And um, that's great news that that will not be a storyline for us drag racing fans, especially. And I start to see questions queuing up in there, Alan, about gas prices and stuff. Folks, listen, this show is an escape from all of that. Yeah, gas prices are, are higher. They are. And, you know, they go up, they go down. This has been pretty crazy. It's been difficult. But we're going to the drag races this weekend. We're going to Thunder Valley. It's going to be Father's Day weekend. There's going to be a lot of bright-eyed kids there, five to seven years old, uh, with their dads. And that's what it's about. It's about great racing and seeing who goes out there and gets race wins. Factory Stock Showdown also going to be there. I'm scheduled to speak with Bill Skillman. That interview is going to air in our normal time slot tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Uh, I'm wondering Asking what Drew's doing. Yeah, what's up, Drew? What the heck are you, Drew? I am going to ask him that. He says Drew's being a dad and he's selling cars. You know, Drew loves selling cars just as much as he loves drag racing. He could still come visit from time to time. I mean, you know. You've forsaken us, Drew. Why? No, that's a good that's a good point. But uh, Skillman wins another factory stock showdown race. 
it's uh, I don't want to say it's going to start to become disinteresting, but people are going to start thinking. Well, you know, he's running good right now, and it's as simple as that. And one thing that the Skillmans have always done with that team is they run it uh, basically like they ran when they were racing pro stock. You know, they have full-time people working on the cars. They spend some time testing. They ain't afraid to try new parts and try new things and change stuff to try to get a little bit better here and there. And Bill's been driving well, and, you know, that combination of stuff is is brutal. You know, the, the horsepower is available out there, again, across a lot of different platforms, no matter, you know, what – whose brand, you know, whose brand you're loyal to, but there's more to it than just calling Holbrook and getting an engine or just calling Barton or just calling Stanfield or just, you know, and, and bolting it in the car and going, you know, you've got to maximize everything. And the Skillmans with the pro stock background, uh, have spent a lot of time doing that. I remember talking with Bill and, and Drew a number of years ago when, you know, NHRA had made a pulley change on the Fords and they were kind of up in arms about it. And I'm going, I mean, I get it, right? It's a headache. Your car's faster and you kind of get, you know, penciled back into the middle of the field. And he said, no, you don't get it. He said, you don't understand that when we change a pulley and it's like, okay, let's say we're down 50 horsepower. Now we got to go start converter research all over again. We got to start gear research all over again, bigger tire, smaller tire. And I don't mean wide because that's, but diameter like they use to tune the nitro cars. You know, you can't change gear ratio in a nitro car but if you need more gear ratio you put a taller tire on it and if you need less you put a smaller tire on it and those little subtle adjustments make a big difference and that's what you know you always talk about in pro stock and you certainly understand this being such an insider but the reason that the correction factor is such a big deal in pro stock is because if it changes two or three percent that's 25 or 30 horsepower and so what do you do well you could just go okay well everybody's down 30 horsepower let's go no, that's when you build a new transmission, because if you got 30 less horsepower, you need a little bit more low gear to get the thing moving. You need a little bit better gear through the middle. Maybe you have to change the rear end if it moves far enough, because what you're trying to do is minimize the damage of being down 30 horsepower. And if I make all those changes and you don't, your car is going to slow down two or three hundreds. My car is going to slow down a hundredth and a half. And all of those little bitty um, nuances and make a difference and the skillmans because that's the way they run their program is pro stock wise you know they have found a lot of little bitty things that add up to bigger things yeah and and uh something on that note just because we did factory stock podcast and that podcast is still alive i think they were all annoyed that they kept having to get hit right it was like you guys you guys you guys like do something to the chevrolets to make them faster so not so much the, uh, the what the car is capable of, but to spread out the work, right? Like it was always the Ford guys that were having to do the work to slow down, to slow down, to slow down. It's like, hey, slow us down. We'll do some work. Give the Dodges something. Make them faster. They'll do some work. They'll spend some money. Have Chevys do something. They'll do some work. They'll spend the money. But uh, the Ford guys were just annoyed like it was always them. And uh, they got tired. They like literally they got tired of, of doing that same dance over and over again. And uh, this has been supported by Aaron Stanfield to me. It's like, hey, man, we'll do stuff to our cars to make them quicker, to make them even. That's not we understand. And, and now they've got one of each, which I find to be very interesting. Yeah. And you also have to take into consideration, you know, on NHRA side that you can't let the cars outrun their certification. And they were getting 
dangerously close to doing just that. Over on the NMCA, they got really, really close to doing just that. And that's part of why pulling back the fast guys is sometimes preferable to trying to push the slow guys, you know, forward some is because you had an absolute hard stop that if those cars went faster than they were certified to go, you're done. And so pulling back and pulling back the guys that were getting closer and closer to that, um, that absolute black and white line was an important thing to do. Absolutely. Well, we'll see it all this weekend. Any final thoughts, any thoughts about Bristol? You know, Tony Christian passed away right after we talked last week. Uh, I spent a little time talking a little bit about Tony. There's a lot of great stuff, especially on Competition Plus, about Tony Christian. I always think about, you know, I remember him in Pro Stock, of course. Uh, won a couple races. Mm-hmm. We were real well in the championship. I think it was 88. But I remember him for his great battles with Pat Musi when the, the streetcar stuff was becoming big, right? Patsy and the Popeye car. And um, I got to hang with Tony a couple of times doing the Larry Morgan deal. By the way, Larry Morgan on the entry list for pro stock this weekend. That'll be fun to see Larry out there, but uh, I just wanted to give you the opportunity. If you had anything to say about Tony. Just that it's a shame. And he was a huge personality. I knew him a little bit. Uh, I got to know him a little bit when he was racing with the NHRA stuff way back when Uh, did not know him well, but certainly appreciated the fact that he wasn't afraid to talk a little smack and he wouldn't back down if somebody was throwing it at him and that he was a really funny guy. He would always find a way to be entertaining and to, you know, draw attention to the category, the stuff that was going on in pro stock, you know, his, his classic, you know, have you thumped a Ford lately line that will live in infamy from beating Glidden at wherever it was Bristol or Darlington or something one time, but, and he was just that kind of guy. He was like, I said, larger than life personality. I think that, you know, the fastest streetcar stuff probably suited him very well, maybe even better than pro stock simply because the drawing that went back and forth between those guys was part of it. You know, even back before they had social media and before you could, you know, pick sides on Twitter and do that kind of thing. But, you know, calling out the guys and doing that was a, was a big part of it. And he was absolutely made for that. So, you know, it's, it's a shame that we lost another one, um, but he certainly won't be forgotten in the, in the annals of drag racing. Definitely not 74 years old. And uh, that is a, that is a life well lived. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you very much for spending a little time here a day early with the WFO universe. So you're off tomorrow. You'll be doing some traveling, heading down to Bristol and we are getting ready. Like this is it. Thunder Valley nationals father's day weekend. Then we're going straight into Norwalk back to back. We'll uh, we'll have answers at the conclusion of Norwalk, we'll know some things. It is, will it be the same things that we know now or will we know something new? Uh, we don't know. And that's what makes it fun. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, always good heading back down there. I like that part of the world. Really like the fans that are down there. And again, love the intimacy of the facility. You mentioned the acoustics. Um, you know, that now that there's a few more of them whacking the throttles, it's fun on Sunday morning when they're warming up and you hear that whomp and then whomp, whomp, whomp. Yeah. On that note, can we talk about that? Like, okay, it's obviously it doesn't do damage to anything to to do a throttle whack. The fans love it. Uh, we just need to get like if we can convince Jimmy and Dickie, just those two, or maybe talk to Smoke, right? Like this is not damaging and it adds more than it takes away. Let's just all start doing it. People will do it. Let's do it. I'd be good with it. I know, you know, when, when, when I was a kid and I remember this vividly, 
when they would start warming the cars up, every time you'd hear one start, you'd run over there. All right. You'd be right there at the ropes and then they'd whack the throttle and go, okay, that's cool. Then you hear one start over there. They haven't shut this one off yet, but you know that they're going to whack that one. So you go running over to that one. And, uh, and yeah, the fans, you know, there, there's a reason that Scott Palmer always had such a big crowd around his trailer. Uh, Alexis now is doing it on a regular basis. And, uh, I think Doug Foley's doing it fairly regularly now. So there's a few of them out there starting to gain some traction, but I don't know that you can force it. I think that it'll, uh, it'll have to be natural, but I do think that some of the, uh, hopefully some of the bigger sponsors will be looking out there going, how come everybody's stacked around their trailer and not ours? Like, right. Well, that's because they do something we don't do. Well, why don't we do it? And yeah. you know, I think, I think that uh, it's, it's actually kind of cool now that there's only a few that do it because now the other, the rest of the teams, I think are looking over there getting a little bit jealous about it. And hopefully that'll get them moving. That's right. Jealous. They should be jealous. And also they should look at themselves in the mirror saying, I'm not doing everything that I could be doing to make the fans happy. It's a simple yes, no question. Are you doing everything you could be doing to make your fans happy and satisfied? The answer is no, we're not. We're definitely not by choice. We're choosing to not make our fans as happy as those other drivers are making their fans. And who wants to say that? I don't. Definitely not. All right, Alan, great job. I'll get you a flag, Joe. You can run up and down the return road in front of the in front of the grandstands with the, you know, bring back the whack or whatever. Back the whack, baby. I like it. Or, you know, like maybe Alexis and Palmer are part of the whack pack. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Alan. Great job. Thank you. Safe travel. All right, Joe. We'll talk to you soon. Here he goes. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, joins us each week. Now, this is an old story, the throttle wax, right? And, you know, like I'm generally positive as opposed to generally negative. Uh, but... You know, when they were gone, they were gone. And I understood why they were gone, because nobody wanted to do them, because there was something that they would damage something, right? It would make something worse off, except that was not right. Apparently, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, Dell is doing it. Dell wants to uh, Dell wants to win and has won and has got a fast car. Maybe, uh, maybe this can come back. And I've had conversations with a lot of people, you know, the old... Uh, like it was referenced in the Bobby Bennett, John DeBartolomeo uh, eulogy column, the conversation that everybody has about like, how do we make drag racing better? How do we make it better? And bringing back throttle wax is a big part of it. Everybody says that. Right. And so now like, well, why aren't you doing everything that you could do to make drag racing better? Well, the answer is, uh, you know, it's not uh, necessary and we uh, just don't feel like it. We don't feel like it. Well, you don't feel like it. No, we don't feel like it. Like, it, you know, like I would have to hear and I'm willing to learn and I'm op open to be educated so I could tell the people on WFO, like if someone who is a crew chief or assistant crew chief that's in my orbit or I'm in their orbit uh, wants to tell me, actually, Joe, by whacking the throttle, it causes damage to the clutch and that damage can't be reversed because the metal, it changes or, you know, like whatever you would say. And then I will I will forward this information to the WFO universe. I will tell everyone like, no, it can't happen. Like dry hops. Okay. Dry hops. I love dry hops. Dry hops were cool. It really did slow down the program though. If you think about it, like the dry hops, this and that, and this and that every run taking five minutes, everybody gets set and everything. But when we have our nostalgia cars, like in new England, they did some dry hops, right? And it is pretty cool, but I also can totally understand based on my motorsports knowledge, why dry hops are not advantageous anymore. Because, you know, you're, 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 you're taking some away. 
you know, you're using some rubber, you're using some clutch, you're doing, you know, wasting time. Things are getting hotter. You're burning fuel. Makes perfect sense. Okay. I don't need to have dry hops. I don't want the sport to be worse off. Uh, but what about the throttle wax in the pits? You know, we're on the track walk. It's Sunday morning. We're doing the track walk and all of a sudden, whomp, you hear it and it echoes all around like some sort of, you know, T-Rex roaring in the background and everyone gets excited. There's a feeling, there's an excitement. Not everybody has to do it. Only the, the teams who want to give max effort for their fans. That's all. It doesn't have to be like, you know, are you doing throttle wax? Yes, I am. Well, you're giving max effort for your fans. That's great. Thank you. Are you guys doing throttle wax? No, we're not. Wow. And you're not giving max effort for you. Oh yeah, but we got a reason. Yeah. Still doesn't matter. Still doesn't matter. All right. Put your comments in the comment section, guys. Monday show, a little shorter than normal, but I'm going to read your comments. But first, I'm going to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO, like Phillips-Connect. Folks at Phillips-Connect have been great. And uh, we are out there learning more about transportation and the transportation industry, phillipsconnect.com. And appreciate Mr. Epler coming on. You definitely got to check out that interview a couple of weeks ago. And it was uh, it was something special. And VP Racing Fuels, Freddie was on as well. Had a great conversation with Freddie out there in New England. VPRacingFuels.com. Go to their website. Check out the lubricants. Check out the fuel additives. And even the gear, the man cave stuff. Pretty cool. VP, one of the most well-known logos in all of motorsports. Total Seal Piston Rings. We're making that the case also. TotalSeal.com. Rings, piston rings. So important to making that hidden horsepower. Did you check out the episode with Dr. Mark Malberg? I highly recommend you do. I think you'll end up a couple of IQ points smarter by the conclusion of it. TotalSeal.com. Definitely check out their site. And FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters. These guys, industry leader for over 10 years, torque converters, transmission fluid, their own blend, and of course, automatic transmissions. The power glide that you find in an 890, 990, or 1090 index car, a staple. Also on the big money bracket racing scene. But top dragster, top sportsman, pro-modified automatic transmissions with torque converters. They are an industry leader as well. Go to the website, ftiperformance.com. It is a Paul Lee company, and I'm super excited that Paul Lee will be back. Paul Lee better be back. He told me he's going to be back and definitely at Norwalk, and I feel like Bristol, and I'm zooming over to the entry list right now to make sure I see Paul Lee. I understand where they're coming from, right? They got the new. There he is, Paul Lee, Orange, California, McLeod Clutches. Good deal. Welcome back, Paul Lee. FTI performance. Also want to tell you about Marvin Rodak and RodaksCoffeeAndGrills.com. Look, I say it every show and you're probably like, but you know, I don't want to say you're tired of hearing about it, but why don't you take the Rodax challenge and order a little coffee and hot sauce and try it out. R-O-D-K-A-S, R-O-D-A-K-S, RodaxCoffeeAndGrills.com. And they've even got the new Nitro Joe Morrison blend of coffee, which I think is super exciting that Joe Morrison He's got his own top fuel blend and a portion of the proceeds are going to go to fund the race car, right? Simple as that. Fund the race car. 817-924-6821. This is Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School and their Dragster Adventure Program. They've got a lot of great stuff going on. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on in the week. Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. And of course, our Patreon co-hosts. These guys are members of the VIP Listener Club. That's what they are. They're members. And they pay. They send money to WFO each month. It's a monthly or a yearly membership. 
I'm getting ready to send out some stuff to them. And they were like, I thought you were going to send it out over the weekend. It's like, yeah, that's how it goes, man. There was a lot of racing on this weekend. No, just kidding. But the ignition show is open to the Patreons to participate in through the chat section. That's just one of the, you know, one of the benefits, the supposed benefits. Patreon.com slash WFO radio. All right, let's see what the comments are. Just building up the comments section. Oh, no, the spammers are back. Guys, I've tried everything to get these spammers out. Someone's like, make it subscriber only. And then they won't be able to. I did that. The spammers are everywhere. I saw the spammers watching uh, various shows this weekend. It's just tough stuff. All right, let's see. Is there any tire issue yet? Like in World of Outlaws is dealing with Daniel. See, okay, guys, stop. Put the brakes on the negativity. Are we going to have a problem? Are we going to have a problem? Are we all going to die? You know, eventually. Yes. Here's the deal. NHRA, like you can't complain about everything, right? NHRA has kept the three qualifying session situation in place from prior to the start of this year as a foresight, understanding that these problems would arise. And you may recall early on the year, a lot of people, they questioned they said, why don't we go back to four qualifying sessions? And this is one of the reasons that NHRA is way ahead on this. Quoting, you know, like the teams, of course they want to race, but we want to make sure everybody's got what they need when it matters the most in the countdown. And so to my knowledge, no, we don't have those problems and issues. Those are not problems just yet. They're not problems. And until they become problems, they're not problems. And so wondering, oh, my gosh, is there going to be a nitro shortage? Is it going to be a per? What if the people can't show up? What if everybody just decides they're bored and they don't want to do it anymore? Like, these are all potential things that could maybe happen. But spending a lot of time uh, dealing with them. I went to my first drag race in 1980. In 1981, you know, people talking about inflation and things are more expensive. First of all, what did you expect? Not to get into that. But this is the price of what we've gone through the past couple of years and putting out trillions of dollars into the world and all that PPP money that companies got and everything. Like, where do you think that all is? And people are not working and you can't get the products. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that this was uh, going to be part of what we just experienced. The idea that we were going to go back to exactly the way things were without anything changing, even if it's for a limited amount of time, um, that was unrealistic. So we're going through it. We're fighting through it. We're going to continue to fight through it like a people and a country of Americans that we are. And that's it. So let's see what this guy shortages. Speaking of shortages during last week's division at Norwalk, they were having problem getting cups for the ice cream. Now we've got a problem. This is unacceptable. What's going on? I'll bring my own cup, man. Bring your own cup. I'm down. I have my own basin. Now I can't, I can't certify that it's only a pound, unfortunately. Might be a pound and a half. I think we can agree the most memorable win at Bristol was Clay's first win. For me, it was. That's my most memorable win of anybody ever. It was great because, you know, Clay is a, a friend and a lovable character and a person that went through some horrible things, uh, a situation that no experience. And to see Clay, you know, I don't want to make it so big, but like return the happy clay like came back, the ray of sun shone down on him, like all of the things that happened on that day. Yeah. You know, like if you believe in like divine intervention or all of that, like there's some there's an argument to be made about that day. And we all kind of were in on it and to watch it 
and Clay's stories, all the things associated. That was definitely, uh, it's going to take a lot to knock that off the top of the most special drag racing win that I've ever been around. We're in Oregon, fuel prices up, not staying home. Just wish it wouldn't rain out on the weekend. Exactly. That's the thing. Everyone talks about inflation. This is the highest it's been since 1981. What was I doing in 1981? Dad lit up the fam. We went to the Gator Nationals, drove six hours at 55 miles an hour. Think of how long it took to get there. Americans are going to do what they want to do. And it's going to cost a little more and they're going to do it. And they're going to, you're going to gripe about it. Yeah, man, this, this is a bummer, but we're doing it. That's my kid running all over the place to listen. The throttle wax. Who is in the whack pack? That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of a stern show thing. The whack pack. This is, uh, you know, nobody whack as a negative connotation, not a positive connotation, but Palmer's in the whack pack. I guess Alexis and Dell are in the whack pack. Am I trying to make more people join it or less? I don't know. Throttle wax forever. Totally agree. Leverage does a double whack. They're in the whack pack. Nitro Joe. Now it's going to feel like a Tuesday after all day. I'm sorry. Dry hops. Yeah, no, they like that's one. I get it. Yeah, I know. The Hackistanis. They're everywhere, man. Somehow, like, I just can't believe that there are people who are minding their own business. They're watching a stream about drag racing and they get pulled to the left. Oh, really? Oh, I'll check that out. Good show today. Says Mike Parsons. Right. Techosaur. Technologosaur. I saw where Cruz did one at a school or some other off-track event. Throttle wax. Yeah, that's it. No Gordon on getting no Gordon. He has pretty good stuff. He's adding to this drag racing events. Okay. I'll check it out. Wednesday night at Portland. Here we come. Yeah, Jeff, Dragster Jeff has been out on this like world tour uh, bracket racing thing. What's funny is like I block the user and it doesn't, it doesn't work. Tell us on ignition. Here we come, Portland. WFO and throttle wax forever, says Jay. Thank you, Jay. Good show today. Really bummed I won't be able to race the mile highs. Maybe we'll show up and spectate. What do you mean, maybe? See, that's a little bit of a beef I have about racers. Like, if I can't be doing exactly what I want to be doing as in driving, and I'm just using you as an example, Jeff. I know you got a health issue. Come hang out anyway. Your presence is appreciated. Something can be taken from it. Like a network connection that you might make with a potential sponsor or a potential opportunity. Nothing going to happen sitting at home. Mile highs have four qualifying round schedules, yet two of which are at nighttime. All right. So much ugly crying, all the teams cheering for him. So many signs. Yeah, there were many, many signs. Many signs. My first visit to Bristol was full, fall 74. I can't even imagine what it was like back then. I spent a lot of time thinking about like, wow, this is what it was. And, you know, maps, right? Finding places with maps. NHRA is very proactive. We continue to see the best season ever. I think we do, Scott. NHRA gets, N okay, any leadership, not just NHRA, any leadership, anybody that's in charge, get lambasted when things go wrong or off the record, but get zero when things go uh, well or when they plan for something. Oh, you guys plan for this? Yes, we plan for it. You plan for it and it's going well? Yes, it is. And there's no like story that gets written. Like these guys plan for this and it is going as they planned and it is also going pretty well. Like that is never a story. Now, whose fault is that, right? Is it because you won't read it? Like positive news story. Ah, screw that. I don't want to watch that. 
I don't want to see what's negative. I don't know. But that is definitely part of our landscape right now. That's part of the media landscape is that people are not into that. Like people who were charged with doing the right thing, planned ahead and the right thing, and it's going pretty well. That story, that, that you, could, you could apply it to a lot of stuff out there. Not everything is going poorly. There's stuff that's going well, but they don't write that story. That story doesn't get written. People don't, yeah, they're not into it. Uh, remember when Austin Coyle told John Force to stop the long burnouts? Man, I remember being at the thousand foot and Force did a burnout like to where I was at the Gator Nationals. And uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know, is that also why he went on to win so many championships? But I remember and Dean Scusa and everybody with the long burnouts. That's why they have so many fans. Like John Force has more fans than anybody else because of those long burnouts. And it also, it's like you're the announcer, right? And a guy does like Jim Dunn and Jim Campbell do their burnout and you have 11 seconds to talk about them. And John Force back in the day does a burnout to 1,100 feet and you've got three minutes to talk about them. And it's just, that's why I always coach drivers when I do uh, any you know media coaching that I do. Like you have, what is the answer to this question? Okay, you can answer that question in three seconds. You can answer that question in 11 seconds. You can answer that question in a minute. Okay, a minute is obviously too long. You don't want to do that because people will become uh, bored and tired of what you're saying. But definitely use the, the 20 to 30 seconds that they're giving you. Don't leave it on the table. That's not a good idea. My first Nitro experience was Night of Fire and Thunder at Bandemir 1980. Wow. Clay did uh, one at Edelbrock headquarters last week. Word is it broke a window on the building, says John. Let's just make it reality. They broke the windows of the building. Funny, when Coyle stopped long burnouts after he operated the long burnout King Chi-Town Hustler. Yeah, well, you know, it was a different, it was a different goal back then. The match race funny cars were designed well was it a different goal or was it not a different goal and that is a great debate that we could have match race funny cars were in there to put on a show and there was maybe a two out of three and it was a match race but you were your prime directive was to make the fans happy was the prime directive and so you did a long burnout that's what you did you did a long burnout the prime directive was to make the fans happy and you did a long burnout. Now what's the prime directive? Win races. Win races. I could argue that making the fans happy is still a, a pretty important part of it. But I also understand the burnouts aren't short. There are people that do, you know, 200 foot, 300 foot burnouts. I think they're just about right. Jim Dunn has uh, Jim Campbell do like a very short, minute, minor burnout. I understand why. But uh, I think of all the things that we lost, the throttle wax is the most bang for the buck, is what I would say. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Things will always change. Right. The Buddha says nothing is permanent. All right, guys, thank you so much. Appreciate you. And we'll be on tomorrow. It'll be pre-recorded with Bill Skillman, Factory Stock Podcast. Then on Wednesday, we are going to have Matt Hagen. Going to be back uh, at it again. We're going to speak with Matt. 
and it will be good. Appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Thanks to the sponsors, and we'll see you next time right here on WFO Radio.